couple of people have actually sent me messages like, do I have another shirt? I don't think you realize one of the things you do is when you make a shirt, you want samples of the shirt. So I actually tried three different online places and I got samples from all three. So I had three of these. And then after that, I bought some shirts for friends and stuff because uh, that's fun. And then they didn't send them to me in time. And the online shirt companies are actually pretty generous. If you say like there's a problem with my order, they just resend you the order. And then both orders showed up like two days apart. So one just got essentially lost in the mail for a while. And then the other one showed up. And then I ended up with like essentially six copies of the same shirt. So like I, what I wanted like was like a t-shirt quality and like from my image, where did it actually end up on the shirt? Cause I wanted it up high above, above, above nipple was really the goal. And I actually think this one's too low. Maybe up here. I'm looking at myself as a problem up here is where I actually wanted it. So this one's too low and I had to adjust my uh, graphic for that. You don't care about that. This is a C McBee. I learned yesterday, this is uh, from a Reddit post from uh, WTF. I learned yesterday about necropants. So I think the title's up there, yeah, necropants. And just the word itself, necropants is pretty fun. All right, so I'm gonna read it and then we'll have a little chat about it. One of the most difficult feats mentioned in the Icelandic grimoires. I've never, okay, I wanted to read it all the way through. So I'm gonna, <laughs> God damn it. I keep saying I'm gonna do something and then I do the exact opposite of what I say. It's almost like I'm rebelling against myself because I'm a fucking child. One of the most difficult feats mentioned in Icelandic grimoires and folktales is undoubtedly the nabrok, which I'm sure I have not said right, literally translated to necropants. This is another tool to gather wealth by supernatural means. To begin with, the sorcerer has to make a pact with a living man to get his permission to dig up his dead body and skin it from the waist down. The skin must be completely intact with no holes or scratches. The sorcerer then steps into the skin, which will immediately become one with his own. A coin must be stolen from a poor widow, either at Christmas, Easter, or Whitsunday. I'm not sure what that is. And kept in the scrotum. I suppose I could look it up. And kept in the scrotum. It will then draw money from living persons and the scrotum will never be empty when the sorcerer checks. However, his supernatural well-being is at risk unless he gets rid of the necropants before he dies. If he dies with the pants on his body, he will become infested with lice as soon as he passes away. The sorcerer must therefore find somebody that is willing to take the pants and put his leg into the right leg before the sorcerer steps out of the left one. The pants will keep on drawing money for generations of owners. That's a lot to take in. Uh, if you're on YouTube or uh, Twitch, you are now looking at the necropants. Uh, I don't know how real this is. This is probably in a museum, 
because the the other thing looks like it was an explanation. I'm assuming they're not real human skin pants, but it is very possible that they are. So I, of course, reading this, had questions. So I want to go through it bit by bit and ask the questions that I have. It's it's one of the most difficult feats in Iceland. Grimoires was one of the words I struggle with because I actually never heard about it until I got to video games where they used grimoires. Uh, so it's like a fantasy thing. That's the only other place I've actually heard it. It's fantasy stuff. I, I would like to be checked as to whether I'm saying grimoires correctly. And I actually am not 100% sure what a grimoire is. Um, I know it's just like a tome, like a book. But why does it have a special name? Makes me think that they're encyclopedias. So Icelandic grimoires and folktales is undoubtedly the nabrok, necropants. So I don't believe in magic. Uh, I get all these stories. But magic and stuff has to come from somewhere. So this was someone's idea. And that's maybe the part I was most interested in. There's lots of magic stories about getting rich. So how to steal money. So like the most famous one in Western mythology is turning lead into gold. It's actually uh, why... I forget his name. The bad guy in the Smurfs. It starts with a G. I can remember the cat's name. The cat's name is Azriel. <laughs> Gargamel, there you go. So uh, Gargamel, the reason he wanted to catch the Smurfs was a concoction that would uh, create gold. So there you go. He actually wanted to like grind them up into dust and it, they, Smurfs were really useful for um, magic. They're little magical beings, so I guess that makes sense. Um I, I've done the Smurfs before in Podcast. I actually don't know if that one's still up. I might do it again. I have a, I have a, a plan to maybe do the first 100 episodes again and better. But there's lots of stories and spells and stuff about trying to get uh, rich. And most of them are pretty simple. It's like alchemy and stuff. Like we're going we're gonna to transmorgify uh, metal A into metal B or we're going to do this and, and just gold will come out of nowhere. And then the goose that lays the golden egg those all those all work. Someone though had to be like, ah, I know the best way to so okay, there's the question. If you want to accept this story as true, someone tried this. And if you want to accept it as false, someone still had this idea. Both of those are kind of mind-blowing to me. The sorcerer had to make a pact with a living man to get his permission to dig up his dead body and skin it from the waist down. It's interesting that he needed permission. That's like very much like the vampires can't come into your house without being invited in. It's a very strange rule. Japan has a lot of stories where politeness is actually either the solution to how you survive or um, part of the process. They have... Uh, was it Neko Neko? It's the sound of the the wooden th shoes that he wears, and he walks behind you. And then the way you get out of him killing you is to go, oh, you go first, sir, Neko Neko Pa or something, whatever the name, I forget the name. And then there's the uh, urban legend myth of 
the guy, you're in the toilet and then you hear this voice and it goes, do you want yellow, a red toilet paper or blue toilet paper? And then you, if you ask for one, if he's blue, he'll strangle you to death and red, you'll, he'll cut you to death. You ask for yellow toilet paper, please. You have to be polite. If he has for yellow toilet paper, he doesn't have anything. He goes away. Um, things like it's all stuff like that. But yeah, I found this was an interesting bit. You actually had to have the person's permission. So this was maybe someone who heard the story to stop them from just going up and digging random bodies up and and using and starting to skin them and wear the skin. Almost like a disclaimer. So the person who made up this story was like, I don't want people to actually go do this. So you actually have to agree to it. And if someone agrees to it, then it's actually not a big deal. So that was all, that, that's a weird moment in there. It was like either the person who thought this was real, like was, was putting safety precautions on it so that people just didn't go around, you know, digging up dead bodies and trying to wear their pants, their, their skin as pants. The skin must be completely intact with no holes or scratches. So that, I think is impossible. So if you did a cut at the waist, uh, and then I guess you had to peel back the skin, that is, I don't think you're going to get it off with no holes or scratches. So as again, it's another level of difficulty making it so that this is almost impossible to do. Could it be done? So I've never skinned an animal. I know I've seen on the internet, like people like with rabbits and squirrels, you can actually just peel their skin off. I'm sure that still comes with some holes or scratches, like even your toenails. These are the pictures. The first thing I actually looked at was his toenails down here. Uh, this image has the toenails intact, but there, there's no way the skin is going to come off intact, like no way at all. Okay, no holes or scratches. So I think basically they've set up a level of impossibility so that someone who wants to try this can't succeed. So you, first of all, you got to get permission. That's going to be tough. Uh, if you came to me and said, hey, Peter, after you die, can I cut off all the skin from your waist down and, and wear them as pants? I probably, I would say yes, because I don't care because I'm dead. Uh, but I'm very much like donated to science. So, you know, this is just a, an experiment on your part. So I am, it's basically sort of fits my mold of, yeah, okay, well, let's, let's try and see what happens. So getting it off, no holes or scratches, I think almost an impossibility. The sorcerer then steps into the skin, which will immediately become one with his own. So let's say you really did this. You put on the other person's skin. I'm now thinking you need someone who is just slightly bigger than you. Because you have to be able to fit. If they were really, if they were way smaller than you, the skin wouldn't fit. Like you'd tear it, so you'd get a hole or a scratch as you put it on. So there's your first problem. If the person was significantly larger than you, this implies that it would just shrink to you. But again, real life, that's not going to happen. You're going to need a belt. Do you need a skin? I guess my belt is leather. That's actually a skin belt already. But there's nothing to. There's no loops on the waist to feed a belt through. So that's problematic. We don't have the steps of these instructions in order. It says a coin must be stolen from a poor widow, either at Christmas, Easter, or Whitsunday, and kept in the scrotum. Do you, are you allowed to steal the coin pre-pent preparation, or do you have to steal the coin 
after you put the skin pants on. Keeping it in the scrotum, I assume, yeah, you go in through your, the space between your body and the pants and you put it in the scrotum of the pants. I'm okay with that. Particularly mean that they made it a poor widow. So you have to find a widow. Uh, I don't know what statistics are like in different countries, but I've actually have not met that many widows. Uh, necessarily a poor one actually makes it that much harder. So again, every step of this is, is adding sort of slight levels of difficulty to make it harder to be successful. And that is a smart thing to do. The person who's told the story, anytime it fails, you can say, oh, well, there was a, a hole in the skin that you weren't aware of. There, well, you didn't do it on Christmas. You didn't steal it from a poor widow. What is poor? You have to define poor before you can actually like make sure you've got this right. Is Christmas only Christmas day or is it the evening before? Is it start at midnight? Does it end at midnight? Like there's a lot of questions that actually we would need more details on this to really be able to make successful necro pants. If you do all this correctly, it will still, it will magically steal money from people and keep it magically. It will appear in the scrotum. It doesn't explain like, uh, do those people deserve it? There's, there's, a, there's a couple of morality issues. I know if you're doing all this, your morals are pretty gray. But there are a couple more. Like, do I want to really be stealing from, is it exclusively poor widows at this point? That's terrible. If it's stealing from rich people, we all feel a little better about that. Or is it just like you walk by people and money from their pocket ends up in your scrotum? It will never be empty when the sorcerer checks. So if you don't check, it's sort of a Schrodinger's thing. Like maybe it's money there, maybe it's not. But whenever you check, it's there. However, I like that there's a caveat after all that. His spiritual well-being is at risk unless he gets rid of the necropants before he dies. So if you die suddenly, like you get hit by a car, I guess in this case, maybe you get hit by a horse, something older. That's problematic because you didn't have a chance to take them off. And even taking them off is not a simple task. So you don't just take them off. It's complicated. If you die, you become infested with lice, you're dead. I don't think you care. Uh, maybe that's a problem for, I mean, they just burn you anyways. They burn the lice with you. I, it, it's not a huge issue. The sorcerer must find somebody who's willing to take the pants and put his leg. So does this mean they are going to keep the pants? Uh, it implies that at the very last sentence. The pants will keep on drawing money for generations. So you have to find a person who's willing to do this, but then that person will gain all the benefits of your work. So they don't have to like go find a body. They don't have to go uh, go find a person who's going to agree to let them skin their pant, their legs. Uh, they're not going to have to like get the, the, the skin off with no holes or scratches. They don't have to steal from a widow. They just get the money. And this, the pants will keep drawing money for generations of owners. So until you mess up this... Uh, transition element. There are some issues, uh, and I was thinking toiletry issues. If you want to get that before more personal issues. I assume you can take the pants down to go to the toilet because you're not taking them off. But because they become, when you put them on, essentially skin tight, no, but they must be flexible to a degree, like spandex. Because you have to be able to reach in to get the money out. So if you can reach in to get the money out, there has to be a certain amount of flexibility. That means you could uh, have a certain amount of flexibility. You could pull them down to your knees and then sit on a toilet, something like that. I'm going to give that one. But it does, there some, seems to be an implication 
you can't take them off at all. Or can you? It doesn't actually say that. I'm thinking about my personal relations with, uh, with, with lady friends because I'm assuming that aspect of your life comes to an end if you can't take the pants off because they make it sound like because I have to, I can't take the pants off and just give them to someone else. They have to put their leg in. So it's, there's always a leg in the pants. Can that, I can't take the pants off. I think that's the implication. The pants cannot come off at all, which means maybe you could pull them down. So again, you could go to the toilet, but you can't take them off, which means you have to, your personal relationships are more complicated. Unless you find someone who's willing to look past that part for the, for the, the, the material wealth that you will be able to provide for generations of owners, which I'm sure you'd be able to do. There are always people who care more about money than actually other stuff. And then uh, that, that personal satisfaction aspect, I mean, that can be paid for. Let's be fair about that. That's all my questions. I would actually like some more answers on the necro pants. I was going to go through the comments a little bit. So here, let's just get this. The Museum of Iceland Witchcraft and Sorcery. So that is actually a place I'm kind of, I've always wanted to go to Iceland. But this seems like a place I would like to go. The first comment, these ones are a replica. <laughs> I actually think if you had a real pair, that would actually be problematic. I don't know if there's any evidence of a real pair ever being made. And I would say that the complications that we've just gone through implies that a real pair was never actually made. Uh, was the second comment. Something tells me some sorcerer went through all the trouble of making a pack, digging them up. Yeah, they're just actually going to sell. That's just people just saying kind of the same stuff I said, only not taking 20 minutes to do it. Uh, something that people don't realize is that pretty much every car company is owned by another car company. So like every German car is basically owned by Volkswagen in some form or another. I know that's an oversimplification, but uh, whatever. All these companies, they, they're being forced to go into electric cars because there's a lot of countries saying that in their country, China is one of them. And that's one of the big, you know, a billion people are buying cars there. We're not going to buy gas-powered cars after 2030. So sensible companies are starting to make switches now. So uh, the problem is you have a tradition. The people who are into cars, they're a certain type of people. And they're not what you'd call uh, environmentally friendly people. I'm not saying they, they hate the environment, but, you know, they think burning petrol for a car is fine if you can go really fast. So then these are the people who are now tasked with coming up with new cars and trying to make them seem cool to people who like cars and then also be environmentally friendly. And then also, basically what I'm saying is they're being put out of their comfort zone. And so that's what we're looking at on the screen right now. So these companies need new sort of slogans for their cars. And it's not going to be like, I destroy everything in front of me. You'll actually notice like pickup trucks and stuff. They're very aggressive kind of uh, slogans and feelings. And a lot of car names, they're aggressive. But here we, here we go. We have uh, different companies. These are all owned by Stellantis. It's the parent company, and they, they're like, basically, we're all just going to go, everything's going electric. So 
one of the interesting ones was Ram was on that. I didn't know it was owned. I thought for some reason, I just thought that was an American company still, but it's not. So Abarth, this is i I've seen these around in Japan. They're sort of an import. They're a very specific type of consumer. It's, it's like people who want an Italian car almost. Alfa Romero is also Italian, but anyways, Abarth heating up people, but not the planet. Which, <laughs> there's a thing about old people trying to be cool. Uh, and this feels very much like they haven't hired young people. Is That was the first feeling I got. If you're heating up people, I actually don't understand. I assume they mean with excitement, but I don't get that feeling from this. Uh, so people are getting excited, but the planet's not getting hot. Uh, heating up people at first to me sounded, yeah, it just sounded, oh man, I don't even have an answer. It just sounded like the people in the car were getting hot, like not like excited, but physically hot. All right. Then we have Alpha Romero from 2024. Alpha becomes Alpha E Romero, which is about as clunky as you can get. Specifically putting from 2024 in it doesn't really help. Um, they could have said in the future or they could have, uh, just said, you know, but even then alpha becomes, so what happens in 2024 is just going to be alpha E Romero. And because every time I say that, I think of the, uh, the zombie movie maker, dude, Romero. I, not that these are, I guess, no, they are bad. I was going to say they're not bad. They're clunky, but they are bad as well. Chrysler, clean technology. It just, as soon as you have an American car company and you put clean I'm already thinking, no, this is a lie. This is not true. Clean technology for a new generation of families. So Chrysler's going for the family one. Uh, I maybe am particularly biased, but I would never buy an American car. I've had, when I was young, I had Volkswagens. I had a Volkswagen VW. Uh, I've had a Volkswagen Fox. Uh, very long lasting, reliable cars, fairly gas efficient. I don't know what they were doing for the emissions, but they weren't bad. When I came to Japan, it didn't make sense to buy a European car in Japan. It made sense to buy a Japanese car. So I got a Nissan. Uh, so I'm probably in the next two, three years, be looking at a new car myself. So I'll be looking at hybrid at least. Because again, in the future, they're just not going to be able to get anything but electric cars, which is I'm, I'm good with. Citroen. Citroen Electric. Citroen Electric. Yeah, Dave doesn't like that. He wasn't down with the Citroen one, clearly. So Citroen Electric, well-being for all. That's not bad. It doesn't feel like it has anything to do with cars. But yeah, that, 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 so of the first four, that's the best one. And it's also pretty garbage. Dodge, American company, not, just not interested if I'm being honest. Tear up the streets, not the planet. So you can see this is actually going back to my earlier point where Dodge has positioned itself as an aggressive car company for an aggressive consumer uh, with an aggressive messaging, uh, with aggressive, just all around aggressiveness. Uh, and that's hard to translate into, we love the environment. Uh, the world is going to be a better place if you drive a Dodge. Because that's not the feeling they've been going for for the last like 20, 30 years they've been making cars. So tearing up the streets, not the planet. I would be interested to see what the electric Dodge looks like. And if it's just like a battery taped to uh, like a V8 engine. DS Automobiles, I actually don't know what that is. Uh, the Art of Travel Magnified, sure. Uh, 
I when I see DS, I think, you know, Nintendo DS. Anyways, Fiat. There's a company I, I like DS Automobiles. I actually would have to look up what they are. It's only green when it's green for all. That's a pretty meaningless message. I'm okay with it. I, again, it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't seem to relate to cars at all. They need they need to relate these messaging to cars, which might be the issue I'm actually having with a lot of them. Is it doesn't actually match anything that happens with a car. Jeep, and then for some reason, Jeep is a registered trademark. None of the other ones are. Zero emission freedom, not bad. The freedom matches the Jeep messaging that I can remember. Like the whole point is like, you're driving up in the mountains. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if a Jeep, because again, they're selling this idea that you get away from it all uh, to places that don't have charging, what they do. Lancia, it's a company I know only because they, they do uh, rally driving. The most elegant way to protect the planet. Uh, sure, I've never seen a Lancia road car. I don't know how elegant they are. I've only ever seen Lancia in primarily rally video games. So I don't know how elegant those cars are. I actually, now I'm vaguely interested in looking up a Lancia. So. Let's look up just a 2021 and see what we get. Bing, why are you doing Bing? What was it, elegant? Are these elegant? I mean, that looks like it came out of a capsule machine. That doesn't really look elegant to me. There you go. Oh, so of course the one I clicked that looks elegant, Maserati, next one on the list. <laughs> so the most elegant way to protect the planet, I think that would be Maserati, but Maserati, the best in performance luxury, electrified. There you go. Maserati, obviously uh, one of the more high-end cars on the list. They've, they've chosen a better marketing team or they have better marketers because uh, just saying performance luxury, that is what they're selling. Electrified, sort of gets that feeling across. I'm pretty sure that. Uh, Voxel, Opal, green is the new cool. As soon as you say that, it's not cool. Like you've actually just ruined how cool green could be by saying it's the new cool. Peugeot, turning sustainable mobility into quality time, which actually fits for Peugeot. I mean, a boring car, a boring place to be. I know people who buy them love them. I've never seen the appeal. Um, quality time. Yeah, I guess if you're into it, it's fine. I, I don't care about Peugeot. Ram, so again, another strong, tough American brand. Built to serve a sustainable planet. I guarantee their target demographic does not agree with that. Just by the word sustainable being sort of a left-leaning ideology. And they're going to hate this. They're actually going to hate that they have to buy an electric car sooner or later. And these companies are not even going to be the government in America because it's all Europe and China and Asia. They're all going to electric. You're not going to get a choice because it's not going to be worth making a gas car for the American market if you're making electric cars for the rest of the planet. You just change over your factories, you make your cars, and you ship them out. If people in America don't buy them, it's not going to matter soon. So they're actually going to have no choice. And the last one's just commercial vehicles. Uh, obviously, again, a brand, not really a brand in itself. The global leader in e-commerce vehicles, e-commercial vehicles, whatever, that's fine. There was a there was a comments down here on the side. Nathan Howe, come on, Shirley Peugeot could have been subtly changed to the Lion goes from strength to strength. That's very good. As Cami says right afterwards, they should hire you. You're clearly better at it. Now you only did one, but it was a good one. And then this one, uh, Minomi, so it's a 
palindrome. I much prefer Peugeot's motion and emotion. That's pretty good as well. So we have better ones in the comments than the actual ones they've presented on their website here. This is going to be an interesting change in the advertising landscape because you have traditional markets and those markets are going to be pushed out because of just the necessity for sustainability is going to become uh, important in the future. It's going to become something that you have to do whether you like it or not. And they have to try to make it seem appealing and cool. And they don't know how because they've never, they've, most of these companies or most people in these companies probably been against this from the beginning because they want to keep their gas powered cars. It will be interesting to see more marketing campaigns struggle painfully with the idea of a sustainable future because turning around and saying it's the new cool, that actually makes it not cool. And that makes me not want to buy your car. The only one on there I liked was Maserati. Of course, the most expensive one, the car I'll never be able to afford myself. The best in performance luxury, electrified. That, I because it is marketing. I can accept it's cheesy, but at least it's cheesy and appropriate to what they're talking about. 